Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Hello everyone, Kevin here on today's episode, How to Evangelize, where we'll be talking about evangelizing your family members. In our culture today, it's very common to have family members who are away from the faith. These can be some of the hardest situations as we care deeply about these people, but often don't know what to do. In this episode, I'll interview Kelsey Skoke about her own family conversion. As she shares her story, we'll give you four steps to helping you reach your own family members. Stay right here. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Kevin here and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Kelsey Skoke. Kelsey, I think as far as anybody who could be on the podcast, I think you and I probably have the most in common out of anyone, any guests I could possibly have. And I say that because we're both from Kansas City. Oh, yeah, we are. And not even just Kansas City, the same part of Kansas City. In fact, if, if I didn't go to a private high school, I would have gone to the same public high school that you went to. The Huskies, Blue Valley Northwest. That's right. Yeah. And we both worked at the same summer camp, although not at the same time. Definitely. And we both work for Focus. <laughs> and something that you probably, I don't think I've ever told you before, but we have the same nickname, which yeah. is really odd. No. What's your nickname? K-Bob. <laughs> oh, so how my so yeah. my last name is Bob. Yes. So K Bob makes sense. How was what your last well, name my was. My last name was Bob. Good good call. <laughs> I've been married two months and it's still still hard for me to, to wrap my mind around. So yeah, my last name is Bob. How how does Kevin Cotter become K Bob? Good. So my middle name is Robert. Oh. And my godfather, who's a good friend of my dad's, always called him Billy Bob because he was Robert William, Billy Bob, flip yep. the Robert and the William. Okay. And then when I came along, I had Robert as my middle name and so he went for K Bob. And so all growing up, I was K-Bob. And so... How, how, how come you've held this information from I don't... We could I don't have really had some really great times. I know. <laughs> now that my name has changed, you just decide to let me know this. I feel like that was planned. Well... To keep that I just me. wanted to hold on. Have you seen the restaurant, K-Bob's? Have you ever been yes. to... K- yeah. I have a, a ton of my friends text me pictures of the restaurant every time they drive by. Thinking yeah. of you. Yeah. And I go, great, you know? Yeah. Meat, I don't... Is yeah. It a, it's a meat house or a barbecue yeah. place? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just... I didn't know how to tell another girl like, hey, we have the same... <laughs> Uh, this is kind of a odd thing. Well, we're excited to have you on the podcast today. And I just thought to start off, you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, working for Focus, just a little bit about your role. And yeah. Great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, I've been working for Focus, but this is my sixth year. So kind of hitting that veteran status. And uh, for the past few years, I've been serving in a regional role. I served my first two years with Focus on campus at the University of Oklahoma and then Oklahoma State University. And then, like I said, have been working in the regional capacity. And this upcoming year, I'm shifting to work with our parish outreach. So looking at um, what's going on in the parishes across the country, we actually have full-time missionaries, um, ex I shouldn't even say ex-missionaries because they're still missionaries with focus, um, who've served on campus who are now in the parishes full-time investing their lives into to men and women. So I'm working with them, really helping them thrive and, and, and seeing how this mission can continue in our parish. 
Awesome. And uh, you also MC at times for Focus, which is a fun skill. That's so a side project. Maybe yeah. some of you have seen uh, Kelsey as an MC uh, at our conferences. Uh, and you're also speaking more on women's purity as well, which I'm really excited about. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah that's been kind of a, a new initiative just to see women's, women's purity, pornography, masturbation um, kind of as uh, the Lord has led me to be speaking about. So, yeah, speaking and MCing is couple of my passions as well. Yeah. And I feel like as you become a veteran staff member in focus, you always have like different talents that bring, you know, come, come forward and that you can specialize in. So it's always fun to see as folks move uh, along in focus. They obviously do their, their job amazingly well on campus or with leading missionaries, but then um, just the nature of our organization and training and teaching other people, you know, rise up with that experience and able to teach. So it's been really fun to see you do that as well. But today we're talking about how to evangelize your family. I thought we could start off our time together with just looking at, uh, we're just looking at uh, a little bit of your own family story on evangelization. Yeah, of course. So um, how to evangelize the family is something I absolutely love talking about, and it and it does come from my own personal experience. So actually, I came back to the Catholic Church when I was 17 years old at the end of high school. I had left the church when I was 13, right after confirmation, um, and, just, and just really took faith into my own hands. My family kind of made the decision together, okay, you know, my brother and I had been through all the major sacraments. They had done their, their Catholic duty in, in raising us up in the faith, and therefore it was our decision now if we wanted to continue in it or not. And almost as a family, we decided that we decided going to church on a regular basis wasn't an important priority for us, and we all kind of took a step back. But for me personally, I took an even further step back and just started searching out other faiths, became agnostic, and, and eventually even tried to become an atheist during my high school time. Mm. And the reason why that's important is when I did eventually come back to the Catholic faith at the end of high school. I came back and my family obviously was not on fire in the way that I was. I had really encountered the Lord through the Eucharist, had started reading up a lot about the faith and, and different things like that. And I remember initially, I just thought my family needed to come back to the faith exactly the way I did. And I was very passionate and adamant about that. And it took me some time, but eventually, um, it took me around five, six years and it's exciting to say that eventually my entire family is fully back within the Catholic faith and has had a really in- true encounter with our Lord. And it's, it's incredible just to see what that adventure has, has done for each of them. And, and through that time and, and mentoring different missionaries and, and different students across the country, I think there's a lot of questions that come up of, okay, how, how do I translate what I'm experiencing and focus on campus or even a lot of parents that I work with okay how do I I'm I'm really Catholic but my kids they're they're falling away and and through that time I've really learned that there's a few key principles um, that that I started to live out of and actually really helped my family come back to the faith yeah and it seems like yeah always with our, our our work with focus people look at us and say well how like how does this happen like how do you do it like if you're you're that parents like how do you bring people back to the faith if you're that student uh, I think that's a big cross for a lot of our students, just like it was for you, where you had this faith, you want to live it out, and even the parents that brought you up in that faith all of a sudden become the stumbling block, or they say, well, gosh, we don't want you to become a focused missionary, or we don't want you to X, Y, or Z in your faith. And so this becomes just a huge um, and important uh, step, I think, for so many people of, oh my gosh, what do I do with my family? In particular, they're, they're your family members. Like, they're not going anywhere. And they're your most important relationships. And so it's not just something where, oh, yeah, I 
tried to have this conversation with this guy on campus or this gal on campus. It's like, no, this is my mom or my dad. So I just, I love this topic. I love this conversation because it's, it hits to the hardest. I think so many people's desires, whether you're older and have kids or whether you're a college student on, on fire with your faith and going, what do I do with my parents? Well, exactly. I mean, you think about this is we're dealing with hearts. A lot of times when any of us are really passionate about our faith, yet young or old, like you said, it's really easy to get super excited about it and just desire everyone to know about it. And I think in a particular way, we desire our family to know about it because we, we love them and we want the best for them. And so sometimes our desire for them to know this good that we've experienced doesn't always come out in the way we hope to um, express it. And therefore, there, there can be some bridges burned and, and a, actually a pushing away from the faith of our family members. And so I think not only is, is the desire very high, I think the potential of the opposite desire um, outcome happening is, is very real as well. Awesome. So we're going to look at four steps for evangelizing your family today and just trying to walk people through at least a, like a paradigm or a process for how they might approach evangelizing their family members. You want to sh- go ahead and share with us that first step? Yeah, no, great. So yeah, I came looking at four different steps and I call them steps because it's important that they, they kind of start in this order and then I think uh, can be intermixed after that. So the first thing I always to walk with people is is prayer and asking them if they're praying specifically and intentionally for their family members. Usually this is a resounding yes. Of course I'm praying for them, Kelsey. I, um, I, that's all I do is I just go and I pray. And then I ask, okay, well, how are you praying? And so this, this step of prayer is not just to pray, but also to enter in with a disposition of pray to the Lord that you desire their good first and foremost. Mm. And, and the prayer should be in the idea of I desire my sibling, or I desire my parent, or I desire my child to know you, Jesus. Please help me be um, the, the the bridge, the advocate for that relationship between them and you. And, and you almost um, kind of remove your personal, at times, your desires that could be for your own good, right? Um, I think sometimes we, we desire our family to be in the faith and, and, and so they can understand us better, or maybe mm. we desire them to be in the faith so that they don't sin anymore. You know, whatever that desire is, even though those could be good desires, I think it's really important to recognize that we desire them to be in the faith for their good. Um, and we need to be praying and asking the Lord for their good. And so that would be the first step. Yeah, that's so, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is it, at first, it seems counterintuitive. Like, of course, I care about them. Like, that's why I'm praying for them. Like, I care about their eternal soul. But just as human beings, so many things creep into oh, well, my husband doesn't come to church and so it's really annoying or um, that makes me really look bad when my kids are away from the faith, you know, because I'm a bad parent. So do I care about their soul? Well, yeah, but a lot of it is I'm just upset because I feel like I'm a bad parent and that's why I want them to come back is so then I don't have that bad feeling. And yeah, really trying to look at the good of the other person. That's huge. And I think I think a good person to look to or a saint is St. Monica. Um, mm. I think a lot of talking a lot with a lot of families about this, St. Monica prayed tirelessly for her son, um, St. Augustine, and just wept for his soul multiple times. A lot of times I'll, I'll experience some frustration from family members who have just been praying and praying and, and seeing no results. And that's where we'll kind of get to the next few few steps here. But I think that prayer, if you if you really enter with the disposition, the disposition for their own good, remove yourself and some of those desires out of it, um, there can alleviate some of that frustration initially where you might not see the immediate results. But if you know that the Lord is working on your siblings or your child's or your parent's heart, first and foremost, 
um, that is what matters most. And I think inviting as many people that you know into that. Um, for my own family, I actually invited most of my really close friends, um, even some religious that I knew. I said, hey, can you pray for you know my mom by name, my brother by name, my dad by name? And I would as many opportunities as I saw was throwing their names into prayer mm. buckets, if you will. And, and it was exciting to know that when they started getting more involved in the faith, it wasn't because of what I had been doing, but the whole communion of the church had been lifting up their names in prayer. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. So our first step as we're seeking to evangelize our families is to pray. And then why don't you walk us through our, our second step here? Great. So the second step is actually establish relationships. And I think this one is probably the most mis- <laughs> understood in the past that a lot of people can be Kelsey well of course I have relationships I've been living with uh, my siblings my entire life for the past 20 years um, or especially with parents and children thinking well they raised me or I raised them um, of course who do I know better who do I have a better relationship with than um, my family and so established relationships is really important when we talk about evangelization we always start with the win. We talk about how much we need to pursue someone and really get to know who they are before we can speak into their life and introduce them to the person of Jesus Christ. How much more important is this with our families? And usually when we're evangelizing on campus or maybe in our parish, we we don't assume that we already know someone if we've just met them, which is great. Uh, however, I think we do make the assumption with our family members that we know who they are just because we've been around them for so long. Whether we've had multiple conversations or experiences, do you actually know who they are? And a litmus test for this, I, I typically like to ask people when when they're when they're talking to me about this, is just saying, okay, um, I have an example of a young woman who was really hoping to evangelize her mom, and I I sat her down. And I said, okay, great, yeah, tell me a little bit more about your mom. Like, what are her desires in her state of life right now? So, how old is she? And she was fifty years old. And I said, okay. At 50 years old, what are her desires for the rest of her life? Who, who does she hope to be? Um, what, what did she want to be when she was growing up? How did she take on being a stay-at-home mom when that was her desire? What, what are some things that she's been struggling with this past week, maybe back at home or, or maybe in the responsibilities she, she holds in her day-to-day -day life? And I just started asking question after question, and this young woman just realized that she couldn't really answer most of the questions I was asking, that She'd been living with her mom, um, you know, for her entire life, but she really didn't know the heart of her mom. Mm. And I think this is just so important because if we don't know where they're coming from and who they are, we actually don't know how to lead them closer to Christ. And and on their end, they're going to not actually receive anything you say to them because they're not going to think it's coming from a place of knowing who they are. Mm -hmm. And no matter what age you are, that is so fundamentally important. Yeah. It's so easy to make assumptions of our parents. It's so easy for our parents to be like, I know you so well. Like I raised you. I You were in my womb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made you. <laughs> I know how you <laughs> I know how you react to things. I know your weaknesses. I know your strengths. I know how you perceive me. I know how you know, I just I know. And even if you do know what the person wants to really know is that you love them and that you care for them and you care about them, like you said, and not just what they do or how they react or that they convert because when people are put in that situation, they feel, I want to say almost objectified. Like you're the object of them doing something like you just, that would bring you joy is me doing this thing rather than me just being loved for who I am. And then because you love me for who I am, you're willing to help me understand the truth or you're willing to help introduce things in my life that are good for me. And um, there's a lot of gray in there and that could be really difficult, but 
how important it is to think about that um, because it's so, like you said, it's so influential in actually reaching our family members. Yeah, no, that's so true. They People just want to be known and fe- feel the love. I, I We're all made for relationships and mm. we're made to be known, loved, and cared for, and that is our deepest desire. So exactly that, if if we don't feel loved or feel known, um, those are very closely related. And I think just thinking about my my own parents and, and, and the relationships that we've had, just they might know, I mean, they watch me, they probably do, like you said, know my mood swings, they know when I'm feeling well or, or really not up to speaking to them at that time and and they probably know me better than anyone else on an objective level but right it's it's more of the how question how does this make you feel okay i see that you're exhausted um what what was really going on that made that happen and a lot of times i think parents i've talked to them about this too and they're like well great that's kelsey i i ask them these questions and they kind of blow me off they don't they don't actually Mm -hmm. give me deep true answers and, and I think going into the next couple of steps, that's important. But never stop asking those questions. They might not give you the answers you're hoping for, the, the depth that you're hoping to gain with that. But as you continue to build trust in these relationships, you want to ask and create avenues for those conversations to be happening continuously. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so those are our first two steps to evangelizing your family. We looked at praying for them. We also looked at just establishing those relationships, maybe in a new way, reframing them. Uh, and now we want to take some uh, a little bit of time to look at our hack and highlight for how to Catholic. We always like to look at uh, different hacks, ways to live out the faith, and different people we can highlight as well. And Kelsey, as we were talking right before the show, I said, "Boy, do you have any do you have any hacks, Catholic hacks that you do with your own life?" And you mentioned one that you some you and your roommates use. So I'd, I'll leave it to you to explain. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I thought this was hilarious so this is the first thing that popped into my mind but um a huge trend right now going going on in decorating rooms bedrooms or office spaces is kind of the the hemp string with the clothespin pictures kind of hung and strung around the room and I loved this trend and a lot of times people put pictures of their friends and just good times that they've had and so um my office mate and I decided to google just saint images with uh, quotes um, on them and we started printing them off in pictures, not just on the computer. We, pr- we saved them as, you know, JPEGs or whatever and then went to Walmart and printed them off just like mm. they were pictures of our best friends. And we intermixed them with the pictures of our friends on the on the kind of a clothesline, if you will, of hemp. And it, it's, it's actually been a really fun conversation piece because at first glance you look at it and it just, oh, look, they just have pictures of all their friends. How fun. And then they kind of look up and you'll see Mother Teresa with a really inspirational quote or, or JP2 or some of these men and women that I really admire in my life and I would love to say are my friends through prayer and through their intercessions. So, uh, yeah, that would be my life hack is just kind of creating a photo wall um, mm-hmm. of, of your friends, including the saints. Yeah, because the friends are the, the saints are our friends. They, so that's yeah, great. <laughs> I think they really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, just to think about that as well, like it's such a great uh, why do we have pictures of our friends? You know, it's like we remember all the great times and what those friendships mean to us and those great moments in our life. And when we learn something or when we're like that certain way, whatever it might be, but then those saints also just bring back those memories. So it's fun to put those together. That's really cool. Uh, so that was our, our hack, our highlight for this week. Um, as I was thinking of you emceeing a lot of our focus conferences, and I just thought we have so much as focus and you being in focus as well, so much great content online in particular on our YouTube uh, page. So if you ever want to check out, um, it's, it's the YouTube, it's focus Catholic would be the easiest thing to type into the, the, the search engine there to pull that out. But we have so many amazing talks from our conferences, uh, people like Father Mike Schmitz, 
um, Jennifer Fulweiler, uh, Kristalina and Jason Everett. Um, you're reaching the great talk by Leah Darrow, um, Lisa, you know, all, all these great folks who just amazing talks and just to be able to experience that, whether you've heard the talk again and just need to be reminded of it, just like St. Quotes or Friends, whatever it might be, or um, if you missed out on the conference or you want to hear from past conferences, you're just a wealth of content on there. So just recommend that. I think it's uh, an awesome way to uh, ignite your faith, especially over the summer. Um, also, we have the Focus Equip app if you want to listen while you're going on a run and download those or on a road trip. Uh, great things to do as well. So those were our hacks and highlights. I want to get back to our four steps for evangelizing our family. And Kelsey, why don't you walk us through step number three? All right. So, right, step number three. So we started with prayer and then establishing relationships. And step number three kind of can be done in tandem with number two, but really this is living out your relationship, your personal relationship with God the Father. So living out the virtues, living out this this profound encounter that you've had with the Lord is is essential to evangelizing your family. And and while this is so easy to say, it's that much more difficult to put into practice. I think for me, I'm, I'm continually going back to prayer and going back to confession saying, yeah. God, I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I totally failed again trying to love my family and, and, and be Christ in the home. Yeah. But, but I think a, a, ma- a major uh, misstep in trying to evangelize our family is we, we think so much about evangelization as telling someone to believe in God or, or telling someone they should come to Mass or, or really being frustrated when they don't understand it or they have some major sin in their life. Before we actually look at our own life and our own selves, and sure, maybe we might not have as, as obvious of a sin that we maybe see a family member have, and, and the famous scripture verse of you see a speck in someone else's eye, and you have to, f- mm. I like to say, you like to you need to pull the two by four out of your own. Yeah. But um, it's a paraphrase, that's not actually <laughs> in scripture. But <laughs> they didn't have, they didn't call it two by fours back then. Um, but I, I love that image because I think, you know, if you have, if you're claiming to say that you have this profound faith in this relationship with the Lord, how much more then do you need to live from that? Because your family members are watching you. They're 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 kind of seeing how you actually interact with the home life and with your family to know if what you're saying is true. Hmm. I know when I first came back to the church when I was 17. Of course, I was still an angsty teenager, um, and I don't mean that as a joke. I was um, living up That's that real, real talk. Yeah, <laughs> real talk. That's a different testimony. <laughs> so, how to get over angst? <laughs> <laughs> All right, next week let's let's do it. So no, but this was so important because it was so easy for me to fall back into the same habits of getting really frustrated at my parents, whether that was a correction that they made or, or, or something that they wanted me to obey that I maybe had disagreed with at the time. And at times of frustration to really take the high road and recognize, okay, I'm a daughter of the Lord. And these, these men and women, this, my mother and father are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And actually looking at them in that way and realizing I need to respect them. I need to appreciate how much love they've given me and therefore how I respond needs to um, relay that. And anytime where maybe I I can't live up to that, maybe I do get frustrated or I speak back to them, I need to then humble myself as soon as possible when I recognize it and come back to them and and ask for their forgiveness. I think, again, it's not about living fully perfectly. Um, We're not, I'm not, you know, we're going to try and be Mary and Joseph now in our families. Yeah. But that should be the ideal. And anytime we fail to come back to our family members and ask for forgiveness. And um, and this this goes the same for parents. It's okay for parents to, to fail and, 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 and di- have difficulty in loving perfectly. 
However, I think when trying to help your, your children, especially learn the faith, a question would be, okay, are you actually yourself first going to daily prayer? Are you making that a priority in your life? Are you, you know, living out Catholicism outside of the one hour on Sunday? Because your kids are going to see that. They're going to see you upset at them for not coming to mass with you on Sunday, but then they're going to see how you spend your time outside of that. They're going to see how you spend your money. They're going to see how you speak to your friends when you're on the phone with them, maybe, maybe in your bedroom, but they're going to hear that. And if it's, if it's something that isn't actually, um, of the Lord, then potentially that could be a stumbling block for them in their own faith. And again, it is not on the parents to, to live perfectly, but for any of our family members, I think this third step or this third aspect of evangelizing your family is the ultimate um, test of can you practice what you preach? Do you live out your faith authentically? Mm. Can you develop that prayer life, develop those virtues necessary to, to guide and almost um, just really aid in that conversation for step four? Yeah, if you want your family members to know that the faith makes such a big impact and brings so much joy you need to show how in your own life it's making an impact and that it brings joy to you as well. I think it's, it's so hard. Like you said, um, you might have this conversion, but then you go back to your family and a lot of the habits continue. So we talked in a previous episode, it's called how to habit. It's one of my favorite episodes. Um, but a lot of times, um, you get in a particular environment and that will trigger old habits. And so either whether we've built up prayer in our lives or we have this amazing spirituality or we have this faith and evangelization maybe on campus or in another context, when we get back to our families, that environment will often get us into those old habits Mm -hmm. to where, oh, when my mom says that, this is how I react. And I know she's going to say that and I'm going to be really upset. But then we realize, okay, that's, that's the old me, you know? And how do I actually reform that to my mom goes, oh my gosh, you don't react like you used to. That's crazy. When I tell you that you can't spend money or you need to uh, wear different clothes, whatever it might be, (laughs) um, you don't, you're not the same person. And I think that's what um, typically when I hear stories, particularly of of missionaries and their own parents' conversions or maybe just a, a deepening of faith, it's the missionary often say, I didn't do anything profound. I didn't have these amazing conversations, but my parents just noticed there's something different about my life that brings me joy and purpose and meaning, and they can't help but watch this and say, I want that. And so I just begin doing the things that you have been doing. So you lead Bible studies and just as uh, just talking about your life, talk about them. So the parent will go, well, I started to go into Bible study. And you're like, when do you go to Bible studies? Like you never... <laughs> wanted to go to Bible study in your life. Well, I just thought it would be good to go. You know, I mean, they don't even like mention that it was and from you. And they probably wouldn't even recognize that that's what was happening the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think what you're saying, that's exactly what happened in my own family is that I started living in this freedom of, of joy. And instead of being burdened by what my parents were saying or, or, or what in my mind, my angsty teenage self put forcing upon me, when I realized that that wasn't the case and, and actually could love them, they noticed instantly my joy the love for them, the love for others, and they wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. So got to, yeah, break out of a lot of those habits and live differently. Um, that, yeah, they've seen us their whole lives. So when we start to live differently, they, they notice, okay, something, something's definitely different here. All right. So we've been through three steps, pray for folks. Um, we also want to, uh, have those really strong and establish those strong relationships based on the love of the person, 
we just looked at uh, living uh, out a true relationship with God. And now what is our fourth step for evangelizing our family? Yeah, so the fourth step would just be inviting our family members into that relationship with God that we've been living out this whole time. And so I think, and I really want to clarify, that word invite is so important. It mm. is always an invitation. And the way we we provide that for families always needs to be in that context that we invite them to go to mass with us. And if they decline the invitation, we respond with joy. We say, oh, that's totally okay. Um, I just would love, I want you to know you're always welcome. I want to make sure you always know you're included. And and just giving them that freedom to mm. say no actually is really helpful. And, and you think about the love of God the Father. He has the same invitation with us. And and reflecting on what made me fall in love with our Lord. And a lot of it is, his, is usually his mercy and his love for us and his patience with us and his forgiveness of us. And so just like that, we have to be that with our family. And so inviting them and never allowing or trying to as much as possible, never allowing the rejection potentially of that invitation to to deter us from living out that love of them. And, and again, going back to even if they reject our invitations, we still want to be establishing those relationships, asking those deep questions. We still need to be praying for them as hard as possible. We still want to be living out that virtue. And so really that third or that fourth step of inviting people into this relationship just comes from simple as I want to invite you to mass. I want to invite you into a conversation about the faith. I want to invite you um, to a Bible study that I'm leading um, over the summer or just throughout the weeks. Um, yep. So that invitation could be for anything faith-related, but it's an invitation. And I love what you said about that patience. One, if they don't say yes right away, just to realize that, again, maybe later on that fifth time we're going to Mass when we're over there over the summer, they go, ah, could I come along with you? Great. Um, but also just that patience through it. Sometimes when we have our conversions, it'll happen in a particular way. I think you mentioned this before. So we think, oh, well, I read that book and that completely changed my life. I'll have my mom read it and surely she'll also completely have her life completely changed. And we're surprised when she's like through three chapters and she's like, I didn't really like it. And we're like, it's pointless and helpless. Like my mom will never convert, you know, and just realizing people are such complex things and our Lord works with different people at different times in different ways and just have that patience about us as we're making these invitations to say, all right, maybe not here or maybe not yet or maybe not in this way, but I know the Lord, the Lord more than even I, he wants my, my parent or my child or my brother to come to him. So surely he cares way more. He died on the cross for them. Like I, I haven't, you know, like I just need to continue to see the ways that we, I can invite this person into my life and into the Lord um, rather than, yeah, giving up. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's exactly what I, I did with my family. I, mm. I came back to the Catholic church through a retreat and I was convinced that my family had to go on a retreat in order to meet the Lord. And so sure enough, within four years, all of my family members had been on a retreat similar at the parish. Yeah. And yet while they were going now to mass, which again was my ultimate goal, I want someone to come to mass with me. I started to realize that wasn't the goal because that retreat had really kick-started my heart and allowed me to develop a personal relationship with Jesus. The retreat for them kick-started them to start going back to Mass. Hmm. Very different, I mean, very good. I, now I was excited that they were practicing their faith, but was it really truly hitting their hearts? And so I had to start really, by asking those questions from them and inviting them into different things, 
realizing what they were excited to talk about, what they were saying yes to, or what they were still maybe hesitant towards. Um, I, you know, for someone in my family, they were they were really strained with the relationship with Mary. They still struggled mm. with that. Um, another one um, loved miracles. When I would start talking about different Marian app- apparitions or the Eucharistic miracles, they just would light up. And all of a sudden, I remember it was my dad. So he he would come back to the dinner table and have. Um, just he would he went I remember he, he came back and was so excited because he looked up Guadalupe mm. and had heard all about what, what had happened in Mexico City and he shared with such excitement and it was so fun because most of the stuff he was telling me I had heard before but at the time it was so exciting because he went and received and got that information on his own yeah probably one of the biggest highlights of that journey to recognize that that's what's igniting him so now I need to enter from that position and the catholic church is so beautiful it's so uh, magnificent in knowing how different we are like you said look at the saints yeah all of their spiritualities are so different and to find out what really um, is is bringing your your family members out maybe it's a praise and worship encounter or maybe it's silence and adoration um, and and eventually the hope would be that you could invite them into all of the aspects that the catholic faith has to offer within prayer but definitely find what is clicking to them and and start there Great. So our four steps, we're going to pray for people. We're going to uh, really try to establish relationships with them. That was our second step. Our third one was to live out our true relationship with God. And then our fourth was to invite people into that relationship. And just love that process. And like you said, these are steps. So we really want to live them out uh, in, in that order because it's really going to help us hopefully bring bring our family members back to the faith. Uh, and to close, we always have a how-to challenge. We talk about all these things and all these great points and different things like this, but we always like to bring it to what's one thing that we can do to try to begin doing this. So Kelsey, if you'd like to share with us our uh, how-to challenge for the week. Great. Yeah. I think usually when talking with people, starting with the smallest thing would actually just be finding something in your life in this next week that you already, and maybe in what we've heard us talk about, that you want to actually change how you live out your faith in front of your family and specifically I mean in the conversations you're having with them I think in family life a lot of stress a lot of anxiety can come up so the challenge I would have for you is in moments of stress um, how can you actually live out your relationship with Christ more availably to your family so whether if you're a parent and maybe your child disappoints you in some way or um, acts out in a certain way how can you um, really hold back some of the the frustration or anger in a Christ-like way. Um, if you're if you're a child and, and you've been frustrated with your parents, how do you not talk back? Or how can you humbly go in and ask them for that forgiveness? I think that will just start the the movement of that communication and that um, that's that's so necessary. So that would be my challenge to you guys is to find one one way that you can maybe live that out for in front of your family more radically. Yeah, I love that. Just that unconditional love. Just getting ourselves to really step out of our normal habits, our normal. Um, maybe the ways we go about our relationships and, and to be able to do that. Kelsey, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really enjoyed having you. And uh, we always have a one last thing. And, and this week, uh, I just encourage you, if you have a minute, to go to iTunes and to rate the show. Getting uh, ratings on the show really helps spread the word about what we're doing and gets more people to listen. So we would really appreciate uh, you doing that. Be saints. It's worth it. Mm-hmm.